What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Good morning. 11 o'clock. How are you? Good, good. Good job, Pastor Albert. I like it. That was a great growth track announcement, bro. Good stuff. Hey, do me a favor. Let's do this real fast before we move on. Can we just welcome everyone watching online this morning? Come on. Thank you guys for being online with us. Sorry you couldn't be in the room, but we're super grateful to have you with us online. And hey, if you're in the room right now and you want to just share this message, you can go ahead and do that on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, go ahead and share it to a friend, a comment, uh, share it to your page, whatever you need to do. You never know who's watching. You never know who needs a message or a word. You never know what one invite can do that can change someone's life. And so just wanted to throw that out there to you guys if you want to do that this morning. Well, hey, I am excited. First service, powerful. And I believe that uh, it's going to just kind of linger into this service. I think it already has. And so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Go ahead and stand your feet with me. Come on, one more time. And we're going to go into Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 as we conclude our series on the Holy Ghost this morning. Good stuff. All right. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And it says this. It says, And when they had came together, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel, to Israel. He said to them, verse seven, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing. And God, I just pray that you would just speak and move as we conclude this series. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would have your way. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Go and have a seat. Have a seat. Good stuff. So if you're taking notes today, I want to talk to you about the power of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be our last message. We've been on this series for four months. Can you believe it now? How many of you would say you've been here more than 50% of the time, more than half the time? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Some of you are like, oh, that's not good. I can't raise my hand. That's okay. I'm not trying to put you on blast. I was just trying to check. That's why we do long series, because sometimes we hit and miss, but it's all good. And so I love everything about this series. I would say even for my, my heart, my own self, it's been just such an incredible experience, just kind of renewing my passion and my desire and my hunger for the Holy Spirit. It's been something that God's been doing even in me. And so I pray that, man, if you even miss some of the weeks, you can catch them on our YouTube channel. You can catch them on the podcast. And I really believe that God has done a really cool thing, deepening our relationship with the Holy Spirit in our church. I think it's so vital for us in this day and age, for those who are really trying to follow Jesus, to understand the importance and the priority of who the Holy Spirit is. Does that make sense? Good stuff. And so today, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and power. And I believe with all my heart that this message is vital, especially as our concluding message, because this is, in a sense, what Jesus kind of leaves to his disciples. And this is something to kind of really focus on and make sure to comprehend that whenever we read the life of Jesus, whenever we look at the life of Jesus, and really it makes sense even with people we know, right? If someone's like on their deathbed or they're, they're on their way out or um, they're, they're losing their life, what they're gonna say at the end of their life probably matters more than what they said in the middle at times. Does that make sense? Not that what they did in the middle isn't as important. I'm just saying what's happening at the end, we take real attention to. We find in Acts chapter 8, 
or sorry, Acts chapter one, verses six, seven, eight, that Jesus is now about to go back to the Father. We believe at this time that Jesus has been walking the with the disciples. He's already died and rose again. He, he's about to ascend. He's about to go back up into heaven. And he says this to the disciples. This is what he kind of leaves them with. And I think that's so important for us to talk about in this context, because similarly, in a way, as we conclude this series on the Holy Spirit, it would be the same challenge, I believe, that he's challenging the disciples, that he would challenge you and I today. And he says that before you go and you witness and do all that you're gonna do, what you first have to do is you are gonna receive power. Everybody say power. You're gonna receive power from the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna be able to do anything unless you receive power from the Holy Ghost. They have this interesting conversation. What actually ends up sparking it is the disciples end up asking Jesus, why aren't you establishing your kingdom? When are you going to establish your kingdom? Are you going to come and establish your kingdom against the kingdoms of this world? What they're asking is, is they believed for hundreds and thousands of years as Jewish people that Jesus was going to come and take over the political parties of the day with his power and his authority and he would become king over Israel. What we began to realize, though, is that Jesus says, I will establish my kingdom, but will not be in the way that you think I'm going to do it. And isn't that how God does it sometimes? That God will move in your life in a way that you never expected. And even the ways you think he's going to expect to move, he never decides to move in the way that you think he's going to expect. If I could put it more in a little bit of layman's terms, what the disciples are asking is, Jesus, are you going to decide to either vote red or vote blue? And are you going to take over the political system? Are you going to rig the election? Are you going to become president? Are you going to take over? And Jesus is saying, that's not how I'm going to establish my kingdom on the earth. I'm not going to establish my kingdom through political party. I'm going to establish my kingdom through my people and my presence. I'm going to establish it with the people of God and the presence of God. Therefore, you're going to need the power of God to do that all that God has called you to do. I believe this message is so vital today because we, in this day and time, have a lack of power in our lives as believers. I'm going to talk to the people who are following Jesus in the room, and I'm going to talk to the people who are trying to walk with God and try to be a disciple and trying to take this walk with Jesus real serious. I believe this, that you were designed to live by and with and through the power of God. And maybe the reason why we haven't been able to fulfill the capacity of what God has called us to do in our life, to do that all God has called us to do, is because we are trying to function without power. But a disciple, a follower of Jesus, one that would follow the way, someone who would say they're a Christian, needs absolutely the power of the Holy Ghost in their life. And I believe today more than ever, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life in a real way. And so if you're taking notes, the main part of the conversation today is that you have permission and you have access. I want you to understand that you have permission, but you also have access. What we find in Acts chapter one as well is there's this word in verse seven that we now define as authority, but when the Bible was first interpreted from Latin, so I don't know if you know this, but the Bible was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament, and then was written in Latin, and then about 500 years ago it was written in English. They interpreted the word authority and power the same. The problem is in Greek, they're not the same word. They're actually two different words, and why this really matters is very, very important. The word in Greek, which is the word authority, which is in verse seven, is actually the word exousia which means authority, jurisdiction, freedom of action. 
And so if you were to read the Bible like 500 years ago, you would read Acts chapter one, and it would say this. It would say, and they asked Jesus when he would establish his kingdom. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. How would, how would, how would you establish your kingdom, Jesus? And Jesus says that you will not know the day or the hour, right? The Son of Man's gonna go ahead and establish his power on the earth. Therefore, wait till you receive power from the Holy Spirit to do that all called you to do. Although it sounds like a minor mistake, it's actually a really big deal because the consequences of that wrong interpretation have led to a misunderstanding of scripture at times until really the last 100 years. How we interpreted that verse, and I know this sounds like a random thought, but I promise it's gonna make sense, is that what we believed for a long time was that by God's authority, we're waiting on God's authority to then go ahead and do that all God calls us to do. The problem with authority without power is that authority without power is actually powerful powerless. Jesus says that you need authority, permission, but you also need power, access to do that all I've called you to do. And what we were doing is we were discipling people saying, oh, you just need authority, meaning you just need permission. You just need to have the ability to do something, right? The jurisdiction or the freedom of action. The problem was, is we were teaching people about authority, but we weren't teaching people about the power of God. And without the power of God, the authority that you have in your life is useless. Have you ever had someone you work with that thinks they have authority, but they have no power? You ever hang out with a boss or someone's trying to tell you to do something and it's like, bro, you don't, I don't work for you. I don't do what you tell me to do. You ever, you ever, your kids ever try to tell you what you're supposed to do? Man, where Zadok comes into the room, my little guy, I love him. And he goes up to me, he goes, dad, you can't do that. And I'm like, son, you have no power to tell me what I can and can't do. Well, dad, you said I can only have one cookie. And I'm like, that's fine. You can have one, but I can have four. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and what, what we've done is we have developed a theology that has made Christians authoritative, but powerless. And why that matters is because the only way to accomplish the mission of God is through the authority of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. It says you will have authority then you will receive power so that Jerusalem, Judea, and all the ends of the earth will be witnessed by the gospel. We're trying to do the task without being connected to the source. And so now, what does that matter in your life? You're trying to love Jesus on Monday, but you don't even have the power to close your tongue with your spouse still. You're trying to follow Jesus on Tuesday, but you don't have the power to love your kids to the capacity God's called you to love your kids. You're trying to love Jesus on Wednesday, but you don't even have the power to wake up in the morning to do what you need to do with Jesus and pray, right? Because what we're doing is we are trying to live this life on works instead of by the power of God to empower us to do what God has called us to do. And come on, we understand this. We need the power of God in our life. Not just to see miraculous stuff. I think that's important, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But come on, let's be real. And we've said this on Sundays, and we've joked about it. You need the power to just go to Walmart. Right? You need the Holy Ghost with you at Walmart when you walk through the door. You need the Holy Ghost when you're at Thanksgiving with your in-laws. Come on, somebody. Some of you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to get up in the morning and show up to church on time. Come on now. We need it. We need the power of God in our life because what we find in scripture is that we cannot do what God has called us to do without the power of God 
in our life. Without the power of God, you are like a fish out of water. You are like a human that does not have oxygen. You are like your iPhone without the charger. You are like the lights in your house not connected to the electricity. What is the thing that is powering your life? It cannot be something false and ideological and something that is not of God. If you are a disciple, if you are a person that is following Jesus, you and I need power. And that power does not come from just a feeling or a force, but it comes from a person. And his name is Jesus. And the way he has designed it is that you and I would experience that power, be connected to that power, and live with that power. The Bible defines that as dunamis, force, miraculous ability, that the manifestation of God's presence would be in your life. Why? Because you were designed to experience the manifestation of God's presence in your life. Deeper than feeling. It's not just feeling goosebumps on a Sunday. It's not just feeling a little bit of heebie-jeebies when Pastor Juan plays Oceans. You know what I'm talking about. It's deeper. And why it's so important is, I love what uh, Pastor Sean Smith says. He says, powerless, Christ, powerless Christians or powerless Christianity is an oxymoron in the kingdom. It's like the word jumbo shrimp. It doesn't make sense. And I think that's what we have done. We have decided to try to follow Jesus in our works, by our own strength, by our own merit, by our own report cards, and you will never be able to accomplish what you can accomplish because only by the power of God can you do that God's called you to do. I can't be the husband I'm supposed to be unless the power of God is running through my life. I can't be the father that I'm supposed to be unless the power of God is in my life. I can't be the pastor that God has called me to be unless the power of God is running through my life. I can't love people unless the power of God is running through my life. I need the power of the Holy Ghost in my everyday and not just in a momentary experience that we have on Sundays. Because my authority is meaningless if there is not in power that is behind it. And this is what Jesus would say to you. Do you have power? And if you don't have power, then you have access to power, and that power comes from the Holy Spirit. Look what Samuel Chadwick says. He's an amazing author, and we've quoted him a lot in this series. He says this. He says, the power of the Holy Spirit is, the power of the Spirit is inseparable from his person. God does not let out his attributes. His power cannot be rented. Come on. Let me just pause right there. I, I think that's really important. I think for some of us, we look at the power of God as something to manipulate, to help us with our circumstance. And I think God is gracious and kind and he can help you what you're doing. But can I tell you that Jesus is not gonna be pimped out by your money. Jesus is not gonna be manipulated by giving him a little tip in the offering bucket on Sunday. I'm all about tithes, I'm all about offering, I'm all about generosity. But if I am only giving to God because I want God to give me something back, then I have missed the point of God redeeming my life. Self-help Christianity will never satisfy your soul. Self-help Christianity will never fill the hole in your heart. You cannot just want things from God. God is worthy enough of our life because it's enough. The cross is enough. The resurrection is enough. So then when we are talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, we can also manipulate and try to manipulate that. And, the, and I love what Samuel Chadwick says, he will not be manipulated. He will not be rented out. You can't just put God's power on loan. You can't just buy it. Why? Because it cannot be detached from his presence. It cannot be detached from who he is. He strengthens by indwelling. I want to read that one more time. The Holy Spirit comes with power, 
not just on you, but he comes inside you and he releases his power in your life. That your soul and your spirit and your body would begin to indwell. You know what I love about worship on Sundays? Like, right, there's moments. You ever feel that moment like worship on Sundays when God's just moving in the room? Holy Spirit's moving, people are crying, the mascara's coming, the mocos, you know, all the stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Good church. What God's doing, he's not filling the room with just his presence because God is not interested in filling rooms more than he's interested in filling people. So he's indwelling you. He's releasing his presence on the inside of us. And that's what God's beginning to move and beginning to speak. Spirit works through spirit, he says. And he is not simply the giver of power. He wields it and no one else can. I think this is really important because I think there's been some bad teaching on the power of the Holy Spirit where we need the power of God so that way we can do what we want. And I want you to know that God's not interested in giving you the power of the Holy Ghost to do what you want. God is interested in giving you the power of the Holy Ghost to accomplish what he desires in your life. God wants your life to be filled with his spirit because God's plan for your life is his plan, and that when we begin to come under the authority and wisdom and understanding and revelation of who Jesus is, then God begins to move in our life through his spirit so that we can do all that God has called us to do. So why do we need the power of the Holy Ghost, right? Just practically, and these are just some things, this is a question I ask, but why do we need it? Why do we need it today? Why did the apostles need it in the book of Acts? Why do we need it in this day and in this time? Number one is to follow Jesus realistically. I want you to know that God has called you to follow him wholeheartedly. God has, call, God has called you to follow him, right, with your whole life, not just with part of your life, but with all of your life. And so his reality must begin to become your reality. That heaven must invade earth in your life in the sense of what God is doing and what God is desiring and what God is calling you to do, right, has to become a reality in your life. I, I know for myself, I, I remember that when I was younger, I would talk with pastors and um, even talk with young people. And, and one of the things that kind of uh, stumbles some people, especially with this Christianity thing, is that a lot of people will say, well, the Bible's just a bunch of rule books, right? It's just a bunch of rules. It's just a big old rule book, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. And if I could be honest, just to give them a little bit of, you know, come their, their way and give them some defense, they're kind of true. Like, if you read it, there's a whole lot of things you're not supposed to do. Like, all of a sudden... What, I can't do this, I can't, I can't go drink, I can't go smoke, I can't go cuss, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't be sleeping around, da-da-da. That's kind of the persona of Christianity. But what you don't understand is that we don't follow the rules just to be obedient, although that's important. We follow the rules because Jesus has given us parameters to follow so that way we can love him wholeheartedly. The reason why it can seem daunting, this is what I tell people, is that you're trying to follow the rules in your own strength. You're trying to follow the rules in your own power, and you're not going to be able to follow the rules in your own power because it's only going to take Jesus for you to follow Jesus. You need him. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God to follow God. And I know that can sound kind of contradictory and kind of funny, but it's absolutely true. And why does that matter? Because Jesus is so focused on relationship with you. His intention is so that way you and him are close. And so he's gonna make sure that there's nothing that would get in the way of you and him. And that God would begin to design it so that way you could follow him wholeheartedly. And he didn't leave you to figure it out on your own. There's power 
in your life that you have access to by the Holy Spirit. And so you don't have to just do this and figure it out in your own strength and in your own time. I believe that it's so important that we begin to understand that following Jesus isn't just something I do on Sunday, but it's something I do every single day of my life. I believe that God is calling us to follow him with all of us, not just some of us, to realistically follow God. And how do we do that? We can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can only do that through the power of him. I can't do it on my own. And so when I have the power of the Holy Spirit, no longer does the book feel daunting, but it actually, it empowers me to do that all it's called me to do because I know that God is going to help me through the process. Does that make sense? Number two is that we need the power of the Holy Ghost to love others graciously. We are not capable of loving people the way God loves people. And I don't know about you, but there's always some people God calls us to love that we don't want to love. The Bible says that they were called to Jerusalem first. And what you have to understand at that time is they really hated these disciples. Like, we think persecution is someone not liking our stuff on Facebook. No, no, no. Persecution is like leaving church and you're going to get stoned in the parking lot. That's what they were going through. They would have to hide in homes to make sure they didn't get martyred. This is what's going down, right? We don't understand persecution the way the, 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 the Acts church understood persecution. And so Jesus is literally telling the disciples, hey, hey, check it out. The guys who just killed me in Jerusalem, you're called to them first. I don't know about you, but if someone just killed my friend, I don't want to hang out with those people. Right? Like, like right? Like, like someone just like, did my wife dirty, or someone just did someone in my life dirty, or my family, we're not cool, bro. We're not kicking it. Come on, I know some of y'all relate to that, because there's some hood people in here. I saw you on the lobby, I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't pretend now. Don't act all like, oh, because we're, you know, everything's cool and you wear a button up, that you didn't have some hood stuff. Come on, I seen you. We all said hi to each other. We know, I know, you know, we know. Hood recognizes hood. I know I don't look like it, but we know. <laughs> Thank you, friend. I'm just saying, right? Someone gonna do something to your wife? We ain't, we ain't cool, bro. We ain't cool, bro. And Jesus is like, hey, the person you're not supposed to be cool with, go be cool with them and tell them about me. Go hang out with the people that just killed me. Go back to Jerusalem. And they're like, we can't do that. And God's like, I know. That's why you need me and the Holy Spirit to do it. Right. Family. Maybe the reason why you can't love people well is because you're doing it in your own strength instead of through the power of God. And what you need to do is begin to allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to love people with the same grace that God loves people. Don't be wrong. I don't think you have to be okay with all their nonsense. But sometimes God will call us to the difficult thing because we have to be dependent on him, not dependent on us. Sometimes God will put you in situations so that way you could spend more time with him and not less. And it's not because you're messed up, but because he loves the relationship to enough that unless you are in the situation that you need him more, you would never need him. And so because you would never need him and you never go to him, you'd feel like it's all on your own. And the next thing you know, you are the God of your life instead of God being the God of your life. And what God will do then is send you through some deserts and some storms, not to break you, but to build you so that it can deepen the relationship with God. Go back to Jerusalem. What's your Jerusalem today? 
What's the family member, the friend, the cousin, the neighbor, the coworker? What's your Jerusalem? And what do you need the Holy Spirit to do in your life so that way God can begin to use your life to speak into other people's lives? Number three, we need the Holy Spirit to hate sin passionately. We need to hate sin. Sin is the thing that begins to distract and begin to sever and begin to weaken our relationship with Jesus. Now, now, I want to make this statement, which I think will help. You are called to hate sin passionately, right? We love sinners. That's why we did the first one first, right? Graciously loving others. And then we did the sin one, so don't get it all crazy. Don't start thinking weird. But if you love, if you hate other people's sin more than you hate your sin, you have a problem. Yeah? God has called you to hate your sin. And we hate sin in general because the Lord hates sin. And what do I, I, I mean hatred? Yes, I mean hatred. You got to get to the place where you recognize that the sin of your life is the enemy to your spirit. You got to recognize that the sin in your life, the thing that is trying to keep you away from God, the thing is trying to keep you to distract you from your relationship with Jesus, the thing that's trying to get in your way and muddy the waters, we have to learn to have an emotional hatred toward that thing. Why? Because unless you do, you're going to make a friend out of it and the enemy is not your friend. I don't hang out with people that are trying to destroy my life in some way. And although God graciously calls me to love people, I am not graciously called to love demonic spirits and things that would try to attack the very thing that God is trying to heal me and set me free from. We need to begin to despise the behavior that is contrary to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus would give us a passion to do that. This, and, and, and I know that sounds intense, but man, I'm telling you, this is so helpful. I have learned that in my life, I, this is my prayer, that God, that you would help me hate the sin that I am dealing with. And if you begin to look at other people's sin way worse than your sin, you're doing what Jesus does. Where he said, where you're beginning to do contrary to what Jesus says, where it says, don't look at someone's speck in their eye and you got a big old log coming out of yours. That's in the Gospels. My prayer that when I, when I begin to process this, I, I begin to say, Lord, like the things that I'm dealing with, the sin that I've been tempted with, the things that are trying to that break up my family, that are trying to break up my relationship with you, that are trying to make me into something I'm not, that are trying to contradict the design and the plan and the purpose of God, that are trying to manipulate me and use me and destroy the very things that, God, you're trying to do. God, let me hate that passionately. Because when I hate that passionately, I set a boundary up that this is not okay. And even if I fall, which I don't want to, I, I come right back and I'm like, that is not okay. And the minute you allow sin in your life is the minute that sin begins to take control of your life. How do you know you're hating sin? Because you're fighting it all the way through. And for us as people who follow Jesus, we gotta learn to hate sin passionately. And the only way we're gonna do that is through the Holy Spirit. The only way that we are gonna do that is we gotta get around him because... Okay, let me, let me break this down real quick. Jesus says that when you go back to the sin that you struggle with, it's like a dog returning back to its own vomit. Have you ever heard, of, have you ever seen a dog throw up and then he, was, and he starts eating it? That's the image it says that when we do the things we're not supposed to do and we go back and do them. 
That sounds really intense, but what, what he's describing is the dog still thinks the thing is good, even though the thing that came out of him was bad. And so his body rejected it, and yet he's still trying to consume the thing his body rejected. So your body, your spiritualness, your, your, in who you are, when, when, when you experience sin, and then you get saved and healed and set free, right? What happens in that salvation moment is that now you are rejecting the sin that God delivered you from. But when you go back to it, you're trying to consume the thing that just came out of you. And why that's so important to understand is because we cannot go back to it. We cannot go back to it because when we experience the Holy Spirit, that's how we know this stuff is bad. That's how we know sin is sin. How many of you know, when you first get saved, it's like, I still kind of am figuring this thing out. But the more you start to hang out with the person of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're realizing what holiness is. You're realizing what integrity is. You're realizing what purity is. And, and when you begin to see what's legit, you begin to push away the thing that was fake in your life. And so why would I want the counterfeit when I'm experiencing the real? And so I'm going to hate the thing that would try to get in the way of me deepening my walk with Jesus. Number four, I hope that helps somebody. I know that was a little random rant, but I feel like someone in the room need to hear that. Maybe they were online. Nobody in the room. Nobody in the room. <laughs> Number four, we got to live, we need the Holy Spirit to live supernaturally. The Acts Church didn't just win people by good arguments. The book of Acts church went into places like churches and synagogues and temples and stores and markets and God would begin to move in healing. The blind would see, the deaf would hear, the dead would be raised, demons would be casted out, the power of God would be released. And can I tell you today that we need the power of God in this day and age. We talked about it last week. But you need the Holy Spirit to live supernaturally. You need the Holy Spirit to tell you when you're at Denny's to go pay for the person next to you. Why? Because we're greedy and we're not going to do it on our own. You need the Holy Spirit to lead you to pray for someone. You don't even know what you're doing when you're praying for them. And the next thing you know, bam, they get healed. And it's like, what the heck? You need the power of the Holy Spirit to see your family get saved. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to see your neighbors get saved, your, your neighborhood to get saved, your coworkers to get saved. We need to learn to live supernaturally. Everything can't be just flesh and everything can't just be natural. There is something greater because God is a supernatural God. God does supernatural things and God often does supernatural things through his natural people. And so the only way we're going to experience this is through the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to experience all that God has for us today. And it's not us. It's not us that's doing it. It's him. But the only way we're going to be able to see these things, the only way we're going to be living in that. And family, God does not anoint pastors so that way they could be just good communicators and good preachers. And he doesn't just anoint pastors so that way they can have good gifting. No. God says you would receive power. You would receive power. And lastly, it's to surrender authentically. I think half the battle of Christianity is just trust and letting go. And we hold on so tight. Come on, anybody in the room? Hold on so tight. It's like, oh, I just, I can't let that, I can't let that go. I can't let that unforgiveness go. I can't let that shame go. I can't let that sin go. I can't let that embarrassment go. I can't let that injustice go. And God would say, if you would just allow my spirit to help you, I'm going to teach you how to let go. Jesus says, and then you would go to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the ends of the earth. 
what, what's happening, God is saying that your plans are now going to become my plans. And your ways are not going to be your ways, but they're going to be my ways. But you got to trust me and you got to let go. See, I think five and four are very closely connected, to be honest. I don't think you can see supernatural power in your life until you surrender. And I don't think you can surrender as you begin, because you're going to need to see supernatural power in your life. I think they're kind of cycle in and out, if I could be honest. Because this is why, this is why. You're a church, let's just say, every Sunday, let's just say, right? You're at church, what, hour and a half? Two hours if you like to talk a lot because you're in the lobby, come on. <laughs> Some people you're like, yup, that's my thing. I come early to talk, I stay late to talk, I just love talking, that's awesome, I'm so glad you're here, that's why we made the lobby bigger. <laughs> two hours on Sunday, maybe you go to small group, one hour a week, an hour and a half a week, and that's it. Maybe that's it, maybe you serve somewhere else. Out of 160 something hours of your week, you may be only spending about two to three hours with Jesus. And that can't, that's not gonna work. What that produces is anorexic spirituality. You need to learn to live supernaturally when you're away from this place. My job is not just to show you Jesus, but it's to develop you so that way you can have a relationship with Jesus when you leave, right? And why it's important is because you're gonna go through things at times and I might not be able to be there. Or Pastor Albert, or Pastor Matt, or Pastor Juan, or Pastor Ben. There might be things you go through all alone. And you're gonna need the supernatural power of God to get you through. And you're gonna need to learn to surrender in those moments and trust Jesus even when it doesn't make sense to trust him. And you're gonna have to learn to love on people even when you shouldn't love on them. And you're gonna have to learn to make sure that as sin tries to creep up. I remember, I was just talking to a friend about this this week. Some of you don't know this, but my brother, he passed away during COVID, he had an overdose. And he was young, he was my little brother, he was 22 years old. And I remember getting the call at 2, 3 a.m. Crazy season, everything was shut down, getting the call at 2, 3 a.m. And I'm crying, right? Normal response, I'm weeping. And I, and I said this to Jesus, I said, there's two things I'm, there's one thing I'm gonna do and there's another thing I'm not gonna do. As I'm on the floor crying, my wife is praying for me, really intense. I said, Jesus, I'm not gonna get mad at you because what happened? I'm gonna authentically surrender. I don't understand why, but what I'm not gonna do is I'm not gonna get mad. You think I can do that in my own strength? Heck no, that was the Holy Ghost. And then the second thing I said is I am not gonna fall into sin and use my experience as an excuse to disrespect God. Because I knew that trauma and grief is gonna take me in a deep spiral for the next two, three, four weeks. Because that's human. And what the enemy likes to do is he loves to move in darkness because he does no power in the light. And so you know what I was, me, my personal life, I struggled since I was a young man with pornography. And I literally made a, I, I remember, I, I remember being on the floor, like 30 minutes in, my brother passing away. I remember telling this to the Lord. I was like, God, I am not gonna watch porn in this season. That's the last thing I'm gonna do because there's no way that the devil's gonna take me back to Egypt where he brought me and delivered me from. There's no way I'm gonna allow a situation that I don't understand, that doesn't make sense, that probably shouldn't happen, and I can't comprehend, to allow me to go back into something that I know is never even gonna fill me. I'm not gonna be like a dog that returns to its own vomit. By you, Holy Spirit, give me the passion to hate the thing that God saved me from. 3 a.m., 
by myself. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. When I was in a room last year with my wife, who had our baby girl, and some of you might know this story, who was struggling to even stay alive because something happened during the procedure and they had to take her into a hospital room and fix her and then what they told me was we're gonna do the best we can. That's not the news you wanna hear when your wife's in the doctor's room. Like she's gonna make it, everything, that's good news. But when the doctors tell you we're gonna do the best we can, all sorts of craziness is going through your mind. And so what do you do? You're gonna default to what God's already been doing in your life when you're with him alone, not when you're with him in church. And so what did I do in that hospital room with my daughter that was just born? I walked in a circle. Why? Because that's what I do when I pray. I don't know why, it's just what I do. It's not super spiritual. I just don't wanna fall asleep. That's why I walk in a circle, okay? And I, some of you, you can kneel, you can say, I don't care what you do. I walk in a circle, you see me in the corner, any Sunday, I'm gonna walk in a circle. I was just over there earlier, walking in a circle. Pastor Ben had to get out of the way because he was in my way of the circle. And I walk in a circle, that's how I talk to God. And I walk in a circle. And what did I do in one of the craziest times of my life where I thought my wife was gonna be gone and I didn't know if she was gonna make it. I was like, God, I trust you even when it doesn't make sense. Holy Spirit, I'm not gonna let this thing take me out and I'm not gonna let this thing break me. Even if you were to take her, even if you were to take my wife, I still believe in you. Even if you were gonna take her, I still trust you. Even though that this might be happening and what is happening in that moment is at 4 a.m. in a hospital room in Tracy when no one is around, the only person that's got me is the Holy Ghost. Friends, that's power. That's power. It's not power when a preacher comes up here and sounds really good. What power is, is when you're by yourself and you are going through the storm of your life and you feel like no one is there and God's got you when no one should get you. You know what power is? When your mind stays sane, when everyone's mind is going crazy. You know what power is? Is when you're able to trust God when you're not supposed to be able to trust God. You know what power is? Is when you have peace in your heart when you shouldn't have peace. You know what power is? Is when you're able to go after Jesus when everyone else is going away from him. And I'm telling you, that's what he was telling to the disciples. Is that friends, you're going to need power. When you're experiencing persecution, you're going to need power. When you're experiencing trouble, you're going to need power. When you're experiencing loss, you're going to need power. When you're experiencing shame and guilt and condemnation, you're going to need power. Why? Because you're not going to be able to make this without me. But I got you. I sent you someone named the Holy Ghost who's going to get you through all the situations. So let me tell you something in the room today. If your marriage is struggling, if you let God come in the room, you're going to get power and He's going to get you all the way through. If you're praying for that prodigal to come home and you're just weary and you're tired, don't worry. He's going to send you power and God's going to get you through all the way to the end. If you're struggling with doubt and fear, don't worry. He's not scared of it because He'll give you power to go ahead and follow Him to the capacity that God is following you to follow Him. I get, I get excited. I, I, I promise it's not just me rating rowdy. I get excited because this is what's going to happen. In three weeks, something might go down. In a year, something might go down. And you might even be in the room and something's going down. We have no idea what's happening. And that I, I refuse to bring people into a religious system that makes you tethered to a service. I want you to get a hold of God. Because you have permission and you have access. You have permission 
and you have access. I've seen it in my life. Without him, I wouldn't be here. Without him, I would have never made it through. That's when it matters. That's why you need power. And so my question to you today is, what is the energy of your life? I love one of the definitions of dunamis is the word energy. Don't get me wrong. Coffee's good. We give it for free in the lobby. But if some of y'all, you're just living on coffee and Red Bulls, man, you're living for something that's shallow. Some of you are like, what's the thing that wakes you up in the morning? What's the thing that keeps you going? Is it your family? Eh, that's probably a good idea. But you're going to burn out because your family can't sustain you. Is it your job? That's even worse than your family. Don't do that. Because that will fall apart. But if you're a disciple, if you're a person who would follow Jesus, if you're a person who would say that, man, I want to follow God with my whole heart. I want to try to do this Jesus thing. I want to try to make this relationship with God real. I want to try to follow God. Then he has to be the energy source of your life. He has to be it. And anything else is a supplement that will not last and will not sustain. So do me a favor. Stand with your feet with me. We're going to let you go. I didn't, I didn't share those stories first service. I didn't feel I needed to, but this service, I felt like I needed to. I was supposed to get to this like response like 10 minutes ago, but I just feel it went a different way. Because I feel like some people, we, we talk about these concepts of spirituality and you're like, why does that matter in my real life? I'm telling you it matters. I'm not interested in you becoming a better Christian on Sundays. I'm interested in you following Jesus in the every parts of your life. And you're gonna do that and I'm gonna do that. We're gonna do that because of power. We need power. I need the power of God in my life. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. I need the power of Jesus to get me through. I need the power of Jesus to encourage and strengthen me. Close your eyes for me in the room. And if you would say, you know what, Pastor Chris, I need that power. I know we're a little over. We're just going to roll with it. I need that power. I need that power. I need the power of God right now in my day. I, 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 have, I have been living off a different energy. I've been living on my own strength. I've been living for something else other than him. And, and something else is fueling me and it's not cutting it. It will never cut it, friend. Because you were designed to have the power of God in your life. And so if that's you and you would say, yep, I want that power. I want a life of power. I want the power of God to begin to move in my life in a real way. If that's you, just slip up your hand for me all over the room. Come on. Go ahead and dim the lights all the way down for me. Hey, I want to let you know that I believe God sees you right now. And it's not just a weak moment. I actually think it's like God, it's, he responds to when we want him, right? And so if you raised your hand or you know you're supposed to raise your hand, I wanna invite you up to this front right now. That's all. And why do we do that? Because we're gonna take this moment serious for the next few minutes. So come on, meet me in the front. Meet me at this, this carpet area. Come on, a bunch of people raise their hands. There's nothing wrong with it. We're gonna, we're gonna respond just, just in our hearts. That's all. Just come up, come up, come up, come up. Come up, come up, come up, come up. So good. I, want, I need the power of God. I need the power of God. Scoot in a little bit more. Scoot in a little bit more. Scoot in a little bit more. 
Scoot up a little bit more. Just make room, 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 make room. Plenty of room in the corners over there. Plenty of room in the middle. Don't worry. It's not like SeaWorld and it's the splash zone. You're fine. You're not going to get wet. Everything's good. Come on, scoot in a little bit more. Make some room. Come on. Pastors, come help me. Just put a hand on a shoulder. If you're a pastor, director, intern, come help me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Do me a favor. Close your eyes if you're in the room. If you need to still come up, there's real room. Come up. Come up a little closer. Make some room. Scoot up in a little more. Scoot in a little more. There's some people still trying to come in. I want to make as much space as we can. If you're in the front, just take one step forward just a little bit, just a little bit, unless you're at the stage. Good, good, good. Just help people scoot in. If you need to go to the edge, you could go to the edge. I've learned that it's so important when God's speaking to my heart that I make a response because it just allows me to focus. That's all. It allows me to lock in with the Lord's doing in my life. I am responding to what he's speaking to my heart, not because a preacher is asking me to go up. It's very important. And so all across the room, head bowed, lift up your hands. And I just want to pray. And we're going to worship just for a few minutes. And let's see what God does. Holy Spirit right now. I want you to repeat this after me. Say this. Holy Spirit. Come on. I want you to say it like you mean it from a, from a deep place in your heart. I, want to, I don't want you to say it just as words, but, but, but really understand what you're saying. And I won't have you say a lot, but follow. Say this. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need your power. I need you to come and fill me so I can do what you want me to do. So Holy Spirit, come on, say that one more time. So Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Stay right there. Let me pray for you right now in Jesus' name. Spirit of God, move in this room right now. There it is. There it is. Some of you are feeling something. Some of you might get emotional. If you're crying, that's normal. Some of you need to go to your knees or go to the floor. That's fine. That's normal. Some of you guys might not be feeling anything at all. That's also normal. But I believe right now God is filling you. God is filling you. God is filling you. Holy Spirit, that you would fill. 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 Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.